Well, I want you to know that this may not surprise you, but pain is real, right? Pain is real. In fact, to my embarrassment, I am on the internet. There's a video of me in extreme pain on the internet, and I want to show you this clip, and I'm glad that it's hidden in a way that you can't find it on YouTube because it's a bit embarrassing, and it's... It was so painful that when this happened, you don't really get to see it, but if you look look closely, my foot will slip into a little hole and twist and break. You don't really see that, and it was so painful that you'll see also I fall and my head will hit the ground, and I don't even feel that because of my ankle was so bad. And, And this is probably the embarrassing part of it. This happened a week before Autumn was born, I believe, And as we walked a week, or before Nicole was born, we walk to the hospital, and as they saw Amber ready to give birth, instead of asking her, do you want a wheelchair, they saw me limping and go, do you want a wheelchair? And Amber's like, great, thanks a lot. But pain is real, so take a look at, yes, even this six foot four guy is frail. Take a look at this here. Okay. This is for you, Will. This is my job. Whoa, I'm going the wrong way. Woo! Oh! Oh! Oh, my ankle! Tell me when you want me to quit recording. You were not supposed to laugh at that. I just said, that was excruciating for me. Painful. But pain is real. Do you ever get sick and tired of being sick and tired? Do you ever feel like, why me? If you grow old enough and long enough, you'll realize pain is all around us. Pain is no respecter of time. Why now? No respecter of age. And no respecter of gender. Pain and suffering is real. And many times the intellectual answers do not always help because pain is so real and emotional that our great little phraseology that we can say, here, this will help you, doesn't help because it's so real. Tell me when you want to stop recording. Ah, I'm in pain. Who cares? And this message series that we're doing is not just for the brokenhearted, not just for the weary, not just for those who want to give up. It's also for those who are in your stage of life. Things are going fine. I'm doing well. Because this series that we look at, as we look in Scripture, is very much preventative. My father-in-law in in a couple days is going in for surgery. Pretty serious surgery. Amber's going to be able to go fly back and be with her dad during this time, and we're excited that she gets to go home. But prior to this, the doctor said, you have a very, I'm sure they didn't say it this way, but you have a very frail, weak body. And to prepare you for the surgery, we're going to load you up on every antibiotic there is. 
So you don't get sick, you don't get pneumonia. He gets bronchitis even if he looks at the word bronchitis. He's that kind of a guy. So they said, we've got to make sure that you don't get sick beforehand. So we're going to do all this stuff to prevent you from getting sick before this surgery. So just as us, we are going to look in Scripture. And if you feel like I'm robust, I, I'm doing fine, this is preventative. Get the right mindset now so that way when darkness comes, you will know what you saw in the light. Very important. Because many times when that darkness comes, that storm hits us, we don't know, and God gives us direction. And we're going to look at two passages that speak of truth, and then we're going to look at another passage that helps us apply that truth. Because so many times in the not knowing, we don't know what to do. But the Christian life, and think of this, the Christian life should and must look at the perspective and from the vantage point of the end. So we're dealing with the end. So let's pray, and then we'll dig into the Word. Father, I ask that you guide us this morning. Holy Spirit, do that work that you do in our hearts. And Lord, I pray that we would catch a glimpse, get your vantage point. Get your understanding of pain and suffering. We want to know you more. Lord, guide us so that when we leave, we will be so full of you that nothing can compare to the beauty and the hope and the glory that we have in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you don't have a Bible, just put your hand up. we got a couple Bibles. I encourage you to always, every Sunday, bring your Bible. And I want to begin with a few general considerations as we deal with this series. And first, and probably most important, is this. My subject is not about pain and suffering. My subject is not about how man gets help from God. This is very important. The sermon is not about pain and suffering and how man can get help from God. <clears throat> My subject is God and His ways, period. There's a big difference there. You may not hear it, but there is a huge difference because Religion loves to talk about issues and then determine how can God help us through these issues. Where Scripture is all about God. Theocentric, not man-centered. And how God is and does His work. And when we get that perspective, things are put in a right way. So my subject is really not about pain and suffering. It's about God and His understanding. And the theme, as you see here, is with Christ in the school of suffering. God doesn't just come and just dump us into this world and go, oh, here you are, and we have to maze our way through the jungle of pain and suffering. We are with Christ. 
thank the Lord. Amen? Imagine doing this on your own. Misery, pain, suffering. But we are with Christ in the school of suffering. And we have much to learn through this. And we ultimately need to understand suffering through God's perspective in the cross. I might say that every week, because if you don't do that, you'll give up. We need to understand suffering through God's perspective in the cross. And the questions are valid. I mentioned last week. I need to say this again. It is important to, at the right time, work through your questions and doubts and see in the end what assumptions you have because questions are valid. You can come up with all these great questions. Some of them, as we said last week, may not be theologically correct. Those are okay, but you can't stay there. You must work through those, use the word as your guide, and see what assumptions you had, and where did you put your faith in? Then move beyond those questions to put your trust in. And that's what we have in Psalms. So let's turn again to Psalm 73. Psalm 73. What a great chapter that speaks of the end having the right perspective in suffering. Psalm 73, starting with verse 1. Surely God is good to Israel. Amen? You have to know this. God is good to His children. Period. There's no if and buts. He is good. To those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And here he begins to say, but look at them. How come they get all the good stuff? And we fall into that often. We, when we get sick, go, how come I'm sick and they're not? I'm supposed to be your child. Aren't you supposed to protect me? In fact, if you don't mind, write in your Bible, it seems, right before verse 4. It seems they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens to common to man. They are not plagued by human ills like I am. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. Their callous hearts become iniquity. Evil conceits of their minds know no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. In their ignorance, their arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven. Their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up their waters in abundance. They say, how can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? This is what the wicked are like. If you don't believe me, look at the news. If you don't believe me, just walk downtown and hang around people. Always carefree. They increase in wealth. It's hard. Sure, I love verse 13. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. In vain I have washed my hands 
in innocence because we think that if we do good, if we go to church, if we greet Pastor Cody, then my week will be fine. My hands are pure and surely goodness will come. I'll escape sickness and all that wealth I want will land on my plate. All day long I have been plagued. Verse 14. I have been punished every morning. Verse 15. If I had said this, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. Again, it is important to complain to God, but never to complain about God. Be real with Him. When I tried to understand all of this, it was oppressive to me. And verse 17 is where it all changes. Until, until I entered the sanctuary of God. Why do the wicked seem to have all the perks of life? Here it is. The wrong way to deal with suffering is to remove God from the equation. Write that down. Think of this. The wrong way to deal with pain and suffering, deal with your understanding of wicked people and how they go, is to remove God from the equation. Because when you do, you will complain like he does. Verse 4 through 15. But 17 comes. And then you realize the present situation of the prosperity of those people prepares them for destruction. When you walk away from worship, things are hard. Stay in the Word. Stay in worship. Verse 17. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery, slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. As a dream, when one awakes, so when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved, my spirit was embittered, I was senseless and ignorant, I was brute as a beast before you. Know this. Looking at the end, getting a vantage point of the end, the wicked, they will have their day because God is just. So if you are suffering, if you feel like, how come they get all the goodies? How come my neighbors, everything seems nice and I get all the weeds? You drive by my house and all my neighbors have nice yards. And you drive by my house and you see all these big piles of dirt because the groundhogs have seemed to love the Cargus household. Why our house? Why not the neighbors? When it comes to the wicked, they will have their end. I'm not saying my neighbors are wicked. I'm not, don't, don't go that with my analogy. God deals sovereignly with the final destination of the wicked. God is just. Romans 9, what should we say? That God is unjust? No, he is just. In this world, we are not to look at the supposed gain of the wicked. Instead, we are to lift our eyes and look to the Lord. Focus and fix our eyes on what He has. The destiny of the wicked, 
destruction. But today, we look at the destiny of his children. This is grand. And I would say, I said this in my email, of all the sermons that I've ever preached, this topic right here is probably in the top ten most important things we need to understand. So I have prayed a lot, studied a lot, and asked the Lord to move in you. Destiny of the wicked, destruction. Please know this. The destiny of the children of God, know this. God is faithful. He will keep his promises. Remember that. Etch that into your memory. God is faithful to his promises because the world is going to hurl you into a horrible situation, and if you don't know that God is faithful to his promises, you will want to give up. What is the destiny of the children of God? Here we go. 25. Yet, I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. God is with his children. One of my daughters, we were in Goodwill about four months ago, and we were looking at stuff, and we were buying some picture frames because I want to get a picture frame for something. And I remember she, I said, oh, look at this because I saw footprints in the sand. How many have heard of footprints in the sand? She's never read it, so I was like, oh, read this. And I remember her reading, she's reading, and then she went, oh, did, wow. Remember the first time you read that? 25. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. It's very key here, my right hand. Right hand means strength. My right hand is the one that can go out and do it. American minds, it's this. By your strength, by your energy, by your creativity, you can go out and dream a dream and live it. But this passage says, your strong hand that you can do things, that's the one that God holds. <gasps> he doesn't hold your weak hand so your strong arm can go out and do it. He holds your strong one. I believe that's written so that we see that it's God's strength, not our strength in this situation. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me. Look at verse 24. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you will take me into your glory. 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. Here it is, church. In your suffering, know God. When you get the right perspective of who God is, this is your cry. 25 should be the verse you underline, you circle, you memorize, because this is it. Who am I, heaven, but you? All this stuff fades, amen? All the stuff you can put your securities into, your money into, your health, all your food, all the good stuff you eat, guess what? You're going to die someday. It's appointed. We have him. And it is secure. 
earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Don't trust in the things of this world. He is your portion. He is your strength. He is eternal. Verse 27. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. Church, be near Him. Daily, walk with Him. Keep your fingers in the Word daily. It is good to be near God. Now, here's very important this ending here. I have made <clears throat> the sovereign Lord, He's in control, even in the midst of suffering. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell all of your deeds. So take a look at this slide here. This is very important. Pain is real. Sure it is. And we must have the vantage point. We must look from the perspective of the end. And what is it? The next slide shows it this way. The final destiny of the wicked, God is just. But the final destiny of the children of God, His promises never fail. Never. We don't understand the word never. We think that we can keep going and going. We think we have Duracells in our body, the Energenter bunny. You know, we just think never fail. And some of you know what failure's like. Some of you have been in marriages where they have failed. His promises never fail. God is the great possession to have. He is the greatest desire to have. He is my refuge. He is sovereign. And for the Christian, this is very important. Death will bring us to our homecoming. Amen? I might be weird, and that's okay because you know I am. But in many ways, I look forward to death. It's not just because my favorite verse is Philippians 1.21. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. See, if you just work through suffering right now as though like, oh, this is just misery and brought upon me, and why me, God? It will be hard. But if you look from the vantage point of the end, it will still be hard, but you will have hope. You will know that even though this suffering is here, I'm going home. This is just a brief moment, and I have a destiny with the Almighty King. Amen? Please know this. His promises never fail. That could be the end of the sermon. And you can walk away going, okay, the wicked end, children of God, promises never end, yay. But that, I, I need some more flesh to that. What about right now in my suffering? How does this affect my life? 
How does the eternal perspective give me hope? I remember when I was in, in college, it seemed to be that every week I liked a different girl. Because I just, I wanted to find someone. And every week my heart was broken. I remember calling my youth pastor saying, Oh, why me? And in his brilliance, he said, Every man must drink his cup of pain. <laughs> and I said, Lord, but I'm drinking buckets! Not just a cup of pain. Why am I drinking buckets? I understand I have to suffer and my cup of pain helps me become a man and I don't want to be a man. Why am I drinking buckets? This week, as I have poured my fingers, my mind, my heart into the Word, I have realized something profound. I, I was mapping out in the New Testament every passage that talks about suffering. I said, all right, Lord, let's deal with this. I looked at every passage, and l- listen to this. About half of the passages, it's almost 50%, of the main passages that talk about suffering, along with suffering, they have a word, glory, with it. When I mapped out, I was like, look at all these passages. Over half, not over half, but almost half of them had suffering and glory together. They go hand in hand. And I was like, what? Right away I was like, okay, I know my Sunday school answer why that is, but why, Lord? Why is there suffering and glory hand in hand? I, what's going on here? And I wrestled this week with it, and I realized a very important biblical concept. And I think the next slide has this. Without glory, suffering has no meaning. Oh, church, taste this today. And here's this is where we're going to get into it. Without glory, without that internal perspective, suffering has no meaning. Let me pause here. Are you saying, Pastor Cody, that suffering has meaning? Oh, wait till we get into it. Without understanding this perspective of glory, suffering has no meaning. And there are many meanings to suffering. I've mapped them all. There's about seven aspects of Scripture. talks about meaning. Discipline, becoming Christ-like, all these aspects. But the foundation to them all is glory. What? Suffering is not pointless. That death in the family is not pointless. That loss of the job, the suffering, is not pointless. All the suffering you have because of your children, grandchildren, your health, all the sickness is not meaningless. It's not just an interruption. That's what the world thinks it is. There is meaning. So let's turn to a very important passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Dwell here often. Dwell in chapter 3 and 4 often. Now let's just walk through this. Oh, this is so great. Here 
here it is. My prayer for you has been on my knees this week that you today would finally, in your suffering, some of, some of you are so bound by suffering in the mundane aspects of life that you just feel blah. But today is the day of freedom for some of you, children of God, who have been caught thinking that pain and suffering is just bland. And why me? Chapter 4, 2 Corinthians, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. We do not give up. In this world, it's so easy to give up. It's so easy to give up and just change our mind. It's amazing how we can just switch jobs, switch marriages, switch friendships, switch where we... We just, we, we're so... Just, there's something about our culture that's causing us more and more to change and change more and more. We change degrees. We change things we love and like. It's so easy in suffering to give up. And the world offers many reasons to give up and to be discouraged and overwhelmed. Never give up. This is important. Look at me. This is going to not say this. Don't give up because you can do it. That's the world. Never surrender. Never retreat because you can do it. Eh, Wrong answer. Let's look at this. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away. Take a look in the mirror. Take a look at your health. Even if you are strong, you can break your ankle. Outwardly we are wasting away. The earth has its toll because of sin. And we'll get into this later. It's just wasting away. Outwardly, we are wasting away. People die, and they must die from suffering. And sometimes it's horrible ways, right? Who wants cancer? No one. We have to die from suffering, something. And listen to this. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly, We are being renewed day by day. How is that possible? Here comes the right perspective. Look at 17. For our light and momentary troubles. Whoa, 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 whoa. My troubles are not light. Have you seen the platter that has been given to me? Look what the Lord has dealt me in my hand of cards. This is not light. This is heavy. Momentary, this is lasting for so long. Some people, when they get sick, boom, it's, it's done. Why has mine been years? Why has this battle in my mind and this struggle of life lasted for so long? Look at the words that he uses. They are light, small, little, not saying that suffering is not heavy for you, but in comparison to eternal glory, they're nothing. In comparison to eternal glory, they're nothing. Momentary, brief, 
for short time, short-lived, not saying that suffering is not long-lasting for you, but in comparison to eternal glory, they are like that, nothing. Nothing. Because someday, this will all be over. Praise God. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us, working for us, making for us. There's purpose. Look at this. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. An eternal weight of glory. There is meaning. What does it work? For some of us, Suffering can cause calloused hands. I work hard, I'll get calloused. If I use a shovel and start working really hard physically, I'll get calloused hands. That kind of labor produces that. The problem is, suffering should not do that to your heart if you have the right perspective. If you have the wrong perspective, suffering will make your heart more calloused. They are to make us ready, produce for us, work in us an eternal weight of glory. I think I have this on the next slide. Suffering produces an eternal weight of glory when, by faith, we endure and hope in Christ and the eternal perspective, the future destiny of the children of God. We are to hope in the glory, the eternal life to come, and this gives us endurance, patience, and a perspective in our suffering because there is meaning in suffering, purpose for pain, reason for affliction. We may not know why right now, but God has a purpose. And in this light time, in this quick momentary time, it is working for you an eternal glory kept for us in heaven that cannot perish, spoil, or fade. As First Peter says. Let me give you an example of what this is like. Ty, come on up. I want to give you a picture of what this verse is saying. So come back here and just hold her there. Here is a balance. Now I made this, so it's not going to be the best balance. Hold it up here. Why do I have to drink my pails of suffering? So we've got this balance here, and it seems like in life we get a lot of baggage given to us. How many of you have baggage? Good, now I'm going to be praying for you, you, you know, just, just kidding. It seems the world gives us so much junk. If we reach in here. Who wants death, anyone? Pastor Cody just said he did, but I don't understand. Okay. Oh, that, that just, no, this, this is unfair. Who wants betrayal? Anybody want betrayal in your life? Didn't think so. Little John held his hand up. Who wants cancer? Who wants unemployment? Who wants emotional grief? We could fill this bucket 
lose our marbles with these things. The world loves to offer us candy. The world says, I have cotton candy for the soul, and it doesn't do it. I am not here to give you quick little answers. I'm not here to give you cotton candy for your soul, which would steal your spiritual oxygen and you would die. Snuff out. This stuff is momentary. Light. And we like to quantify it by saying, well, if there's that much pain and suffering, then I will give, oh, let's see, this much, come on, come on, balance, okay. Oh, finally, quantitatively, I figured it out. I can work it out. That is not what's being said. This is what's being said in the Scripture. God in His greatness, in His glory says, this momentary life, all the troubles you have, is nothing in comparison to the eternal weight of glory. Listen to this. This is very serious. Why do we let the things of this world rob us from that which outweighs Please look at this one more time. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal weight of glory or eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Take a look at the next slide here. You can put those down. Thanks, Terry. Look at these here. Suffering is temporal. It's temporary. It's here for a brief time, but know this. Glory is eternal. Suffering comes and goes. It changes. It's always just, why this? Why that? Now I finally get healed from this, and now this has to come. Oh, my child finally gets right. Now this one's going bad. Why? Glory is secure. Suffering, we see it. Glory is unseen. Suffering can be overwhelming and bring us down, bog us down, but glory is this great encouragement. It's our hope. The world loves to give us all these quaint answers and just try to console us with things, but glory brings more than that. It brings true restoration. Amen? Suffering brings decay. Glory brings transformation to ever-increasing glory. The last verse here, in 2 Corinthians 3.18. Suffering brings decay, transforming. Suffering is unknown. Glory is known. Listen to this. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us 
and eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, take a look at 18. This is for you. So, we fix our eyes not as what is seen, but what is unseen. That's how you're going to make it. If you keep your eyes on all this pain and troubles and suffering, you'll just be like, oh. But the way to make it is to focus your eyes on that which is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Our mindset and walk in this life are to be bound and led by our perspective of the eternal weight of glory. Let me say that again. I don't think this is, I don't think, I don't know if I have a slide for this one. Our mindset, it, yeah, I do. Just get this in you. Our mindset and our walk in life. So part of it is what you think and how you live it out are to be bound and led by our perspective of the eternal weight of glory. Truly, pain can distract you from the beauty of glory. So don't look at what is seen. Look at what is unseen. Have faith in it. Have hope in that. And when you can do that, you might be able to say as Job did, Job 13, 15, Though he slay me, though my bucket will overflow with stuff that's hard, nothing compared to the eternal weight of glory. Though he slay me, still I will trust in him. And I will put my hope in him. And this is one of the core foundational truths of Christianity that the world has nothing in comparison. Amen? We have a hope. I'm going home. And that's how I will live this world. Even if there's suffering and pain, I'm going to live it out. So I want you to sit and soak in this. I'm going to play you a song. It's going to have some words up, and I want you to think of these. And then, one of my favorite pastors, someone spliced in one of his sermons. I just found this. After I got this sermon all done, I was like, look at this. And then I heard this. Listen to this. Soak in this as you think of the beauty of Christ. And I ask you to lay it out. Say, God, why? Help me. Bring healing to me. May this be your prayer time. I come, I come, return to the Lord, the one who's broken, the one who's torn me apart. You strike down to bind me up, you say you do it all in love, that I
Not only is all your affliction momentary, not only is all your affliction light in comparison to eternity and the glory there, but all of it is totally meaningful. Every millisecond of your pain from the fallen nature or fallen man, every millisecond of your misery in the path of obedience is producing a peculiar glory you will get because of that. I don't care if it was cancer or criticism. I don't care if it was slander or sickness. It wasn't meaningless. It's doing something. It's not meaningless. Of course you can't see what it's doing. Don't look to what is seen. When your mom dies... When your kid dies, when you've got cancer at 40, when a car creams into the sidewalk and takes her out, don't, don't say, it's meaningless. It's not. It's working for you an eternal weight of glory. Therefore, therefore, do not lose heart. But take these truths and day by day, Focus on them. Preach them to yourself every morning. Get alone with God and preach His Word into your mind until your heart sings with confidence that you are new and cared for. flesh and my heart may fail but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever and today you may be drinking from the pail of misery and suffering God in the cross offers hope and life and perseverance, and truth, and healing to his children. Praise God. This should allow you to walk in faith that much more. 
to turn to him and say, please heal me from my wrong understanding and help me in this suffering. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterwards you will take me into your glory. One of the greatest truths to stand on as a believer is this. Oh, the wicked, they will perish, but someday I'm going home. And there's healing in that today. Praise God. Amen? Praise God. Let's pray.